Hello, sexy stews and prosthetic penises and all the ships at sea, and welcome to A Very Good Year, the movie podcast where we invite a guest to pick their favorite year of movies and talk to us about that year. I'm your host, Jason Bailey, and across the mic and across the country from me is my co-host, Michael Hull. And our guest today has written about pop culture and film just all over the place, uh, including at the Houston Chronicle, Philadelphia Weekly, Baltimore City Paper, Vibe, Nashville Scene, The Raleigh News and Observer, Culture Map Houston, The Texas Observer, The AV Club, RogerEber.com, and yes, of course, Crooked Marquee. Folks, say hello to my friend and yours, Craig D. Lindsay. Hi, Craig. Hello. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, you sent me an email in January, and this was the entirety of it. You said, I'm just letting you know, if you ever invite me on the show, I got dibs on 1997. So let's start there. Why Why was this year important enough to you to, 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 to stake that claim early? That was a grand time for me uh, writing about movies. And it, it, just so many things happened. But it was also a time when uh, the uh, the rise of what I like to call the Googleplexes started forming, where mm-hmm. they, it was just like thirty, you know, twenty five to thirty screens, right, in one multiplex, and they all had stadium seating, and it was like these gigantic uh, things, and mm-hmm. they, they were hel- hilariously large and monstrous. And some of them were eyesores. I mean, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever been to a Cinemark uh, Tinseltown mm-hmm. theater, but those were all like these big purple and green facilities. <laughs> and it would just start in, you know, the, the, the small, the more smaller theaters with eight, nine screens. Uh, they, they, right. they, they started to drift away and stuff like that because. Those all those Googleplex, and we had like the, like I said, we had a couple of Cinemark Tinseltown theaters, and the uh, you know AMC had a the stu- a couple of theaters over that over here uh, that opened up, and we had a Magic Johnson theater for a brief while. Hey, where you can get a big bucket of uh, chicken wings for uh, <laughs> for nine ninety nine, and I I saw Spice World with a a chicken bone sitting next to me. (laughs) All right. Well, before we get to your top five, uh, let's take a look at what was happening outside of the stadium seating Googleplex. Here is Mike with headlines. My fellow citizens, at this last presidential inauguration of the 20th century, let us lift our eyes toward the challenges that await us in the next century. It is our great good fortune that time and chance have put us not only at the edge of a new century and a new millennium, but on the edge of a bright new prospect in human affairs. On January 20, Bill Clinton was sworn in for his second term of office, Mm -hmm. and three days later, Madeleine Albright became the first female Secretary of State in U.S. history. Mm -hmm. She would go on to prove that women could be just as awful as men. (laughs) Running an empire is very hard, Jason. Yes, it is. And I want to say that was almost exactly a year later was when uh, the the, the Clinton administration, too, uh, sort of collapsed into scandal. 
Uh, right around mid-January 98 was when uh, we first heard the name of Monica Lewinsky, but we'll save that for another show. On 22nd March, the comet Hale-Bopp made its closest approach to Earth. Mm-hmm. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People really wanted it to be more dangerous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it seemed like people were, like, sort of disappointed it wasn't going to get closer. And yes. I was like, farther is better. Yeah, guys. No. This is So the next year they made a couple movies about if it was going to get closer. We begin tonight with a good deal more than we knew yesterday about what so many people are now calling the Heaven's Gate cult. Investigators in San Diego this afternoon said they've now notified the vast majority of families that one of their relatives committed suicide with other cult members this week. We have learned more today about who they were as individuals, why they were fixated on UFOs, about how they died, and how they left behind many other people who knew not of what they were doing. Also in March, 39 members of the Heaven's Gate organization committed mass suicide, believing the Hale-Bopp comet was actually a spaceship and they were going to go ride on it. This is all, the whole headline segment is just going to be me going, yo, guys, remember that? That was fucking (laughs) nuts, right? No, this shit was crazy, the Heaven's Gate organization. Yes, yes, I remember. In April was the end of the 126-day hostage crisis at the home of the Japanese ambassador to Peru Mm -hmm. by the Tupac Amaru rebel group. Do you remember that shit? No, I do not. It was very confusing. Wait, Tupac led a bunch of rebels at the Japanese ambassador? I'm confused. We don't have time for me to explain all of the the threads that were involved in that. Fine. Uh, In May, IBM Computer Deep Blue beat Gary Kasparov in a chess game. This was the first time a computer beat, like, a world champion. Like, not like Mm -hmm. the computer beat me at chess. Right. But (laughs) the computer beat a world champion at chess that had never happened before and And that was i think sort of mm -hmm. the first real sort of wave of like uh ai panic yeah that i can recall in my immediate surroundings yeah it had not been that many years since terminator 2 came out like why were we fucking around with this (laughs) Also in May, Bill Clinton apologized to the surviving victims of the Tuskegee Untreated Syphilis Experiments. That's something, I guess. An apology is something. Start? It's something. In June, Timothy McVeigh was convicted and sentenced to death for the Oklahoma City bombing two years earlier. Okay. That's fine. As we've said before, not usually like a big Mm -hmm. supporter of the death penalty, but... Big hand for the Grim Reaper on that. Not trying to, like, make myself a protest sign over that fucking guy. Right, exactly. It is a new day in Hong Kong. Gone are the British who ruled Hong Kong as a colony for 156 years, and in their place are the Chinese, complete with a new legislature and thousands of troops. In July, the United Kingdom gave sovereignty of Hong Kong to the People's Republic of China, and that place has been fucking tense ever since. Yeah, I, I recall that not being a, 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 a smooth transition, if memory serves. In November, telecom giants WorldCom and MCI Communications merged to form one of the largest communications companies in the world. Mm -hmm. And you cannot imagine the level of fuckery that had to go down to make sure nobody's ever heard of either of them today. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right. Also in November was the most hilarious Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade ever. Okay. During which the cat in the hat, the pink panther, Barney, and the quick bunny balloons were all deflated by streetlights and trees because oh. of very high winds. Oh, no. Yeah, they should have killed that shit that day. They just, oh, they'd no. already sold too many commercials. That uh, is... Several people were injured. Oh. No one was actually killed. Several people were injured. Okay. Uh, and there is a video on YouTube called Thanksgiving 97, the day Barney was killed, that you should absolutely <laughs> treat yourself to. To some time when you're having a bad day. We'll put it in the show notes. It'll 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 be out there. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh-huh. All you're doing when you're watching it is like 
you can see the wind. Mm-hmm. There's massive balloons everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it seems. I don't know. I don't want to backseat drive the uh, <laughs> the, the, the organizers of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but that seemed like a day to call it. Maybe push it to next weekend. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. In December, 121 countries gathered in Canada to sign a treaty prohibiting the manufacture and deployment of landmines. Okay. But the United States wasn't one of those countries. Oh. Because blah, blah, the Second Amendment or something? I don't hmm. really know. Feels like we should have got in on that action, Mike. Uh, I, I'm not trying to tell anybody how to do their job, but uh, but maybe we should have signed that. Also, you can just sign a piece of paper and then, like, yes. not do it later. Yes. So, like, why wouldn't you, Suggestion. like, lead by example and Make maybe everybody else will throw theirs away? Correct. So it seems like small uh, small yeah. diplomatic thinking madeline and go. finally in december over 700 japanese children suffered seizures due to an episode of pokemon oh, God. so do yourself another favor and go watch that shit as soon as you can wait i mean i thought every episode of pokemon would cause children to have seizures <laughs> apparently There's it was particularly seizure worthy okay yeah, there's a particular one. I think it's like episode seven of season. It's a very, very right. early season. And it was one of those things where like nobody was watching it and nobody mm-hmm. was paying attention to it. And it wasn't the sort of global phenomenon that it is now. Okay. And then 700 kids <laughs> went to the hospital with seizures. And the only thing they could figure out that everybody did that day was watch this episode of Pokemon. So then, of course, yeah. they talked about that on the news. And, and everybody, then, of course, everybody, watched everybody else went and watched that episode of Pokemon. Show blew up yeah there you oh, go God. worked out great for him yep yeah yep, you want yep. to talk about some viral marketing yeah. you instagram kids need to fucking pay attention the star wars special editions were released in theaters the original uh, trilogy a few weeks apart all through the spring yeah and nerds have been fucking furious about it ever since craig uh did you did you go see the star wars special editions when those came out the first time i actually saw the first one all the way through oh was the 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 when they dropped the first special edition yeah so yeah that so as far as you know uh han never shot first i remember when those were coming out and i was like doesn't don't don't you isn't anybody like to get laid anymore why are we <laughs> talking about this in other movie news uh, huh? the dvd format was launched in the united states during the academy awards ceremony and my that actually seems has late not been the same since no yeah that was, seems yeah. late in my yeah. memory for yeah. some yeah. reason yeah. it seems like it was sort of earlier 90s but it turns out it was 97 yeah that's a good idea to launch dvds during the academy awards ceremony very right very smart yep. yeah. yeah that was kind of a good idea yeah. first episode of south park aired in 97 mm-hmm and this was the inaugural year of the WNBA. Hey, all right. Hooray for that. Yeah. yeah. 1997 was the cutoff year between millennials and Gen Z. So obviously everyone born that year is just now learning what it means to be an interesting adult human. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to pay any attention to them. Fair. As far as people who died, mm-hmm. some lady named Princess Diana. I don't um, know much about her. I, I believe she, uh, I heard she, she lived her life like a candle in the wind, Mike. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that song's about a fictional person. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, John Denver, he was real. Yes. Jimmy Stewart, Red mm-hmm. Skelton, Robert Mitchum, uh, oh. Michael Hutchins, Bennett, Bennett having a wank. You remember that? Oh, I do, fellow? I do. That was unfortunate, yes. Yeah. What a way yeah. to go. Uh, right. Burgess Meredith, William Hickey from Pritzy's Honor. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Farley. Uh, R.I.P. Bummer. Yeah. yeah, some bullshit. Roy Lichtenstein, Anton LaVey, The King, Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan, mm-hmm. Poet and Inspiration for Life, Allen Ginsberg died in 97. R.I.P. Uh, his friend, poet and wife murder, William S. Burroughs also died <laughs> yes. in 97. Yes, he sure did. <laughs> yeah. One of those guys to look up to. One of those guys. Yeah. Whew, made it hard. <laughs> uh, Toshiro Mufune, Sheldon Leonard, Fela Kuti, and Tommy Tedesco all died in 97. I think that's the dream blunt rotation right there I, I could i could it'd be that'd be a nice evening with those gentlemen yeah that's the best that's a good one betty shabazz mm-hmm. israel kamakawi wole who is mm-hmm. a hawaiian musician yep. he's the guy who did the iconic somewhere over the rainbow with the ukulele yeah he's the guy who did that but he's he made a lot of wonderful music yes um you know, he's definitely one of those like sort of one hit wonders that that it turns out has got like right. a pretty deep bench. <laughs> deep bench. Um and a beautiful voice. Yeah. Jacques Cousteau, singer Jeff Buckley, Paulo Friere, and Catherine, Mama Scorsese, passed in nineteen ninety seven. But thankfully she left behind some excellent cameo performances and one killer sauce recipe. You know, we're gonna put this the Mama Scorsese sauce recipe in the show notes. No, no, no. We're gonna put that in the headlines post. So you have to be a paid subscriber to get the uh, the, the Mama Scorsese <laughs> recipe. That's there we go. Anybody else, Mike? Because we have the uh, proprietary rights to That's that. Right. Finally, uh, Mr. Uh, Christopher Wallace, the notorious B.I.G., was killed in 1997, and I yep. am still not over it. Yep, same. In sports, the Packers beat the Patriots to win Super Bowl 31. Mm-hmm. The Florida Marlins beat the Cleveland Indians four games to three to win the World Series. The Chicago Bulls were back, beating the Utah Jazz four games to two to win the NBA championship. The Detroit Red Wings swept the Flyers to win the Stanley Cup. Martina Hingis dominated tennis news with wins in Australia and at Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. Nice. Do you see what I did there, Jason? I just did, like, the most boring American sports version ever. Thank you. So next week, it's all fucking cricket and snooker, and I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Oh, and some nasty stuff in there. There need to be a bite, almost. Holyfield is very unhappy. Look at this. It looked as if Tyson bared his teeth at one stage in the exchange. Yes, Pitch I think he, he bit his ear. That's what Holyfield was in a lot of pain from that. You see the blood on the ear. That was definitely a bite. There was other boxing news, uh, but uh-huh. this is the year Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear off, so oh. nobody remembers any other boxing news. Oh, shit. That's, I, even I heard about that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really, the only news in sports in 97 was a guy named after a cat. Tiger Woods became the first black person to win the Masters with an all-time record 12-shot victory, and at the same time, he set the record for the lowest to par score of minus 18, the lowest 72-hole score of 272. He also got the number one ranking after that win and only his 42nd week as a pro, the fastest ascent to the number one spot in history. He would go on to win Player of the Year honors and be the tour money leader for 1997. Tiger Woods got laid. He did. He had a very good year. He did. And uh, he probably remembers it nostalgically because he hasn't had a good one in a while. That's uh, sports and that's headlines. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mike. Craig, you ready to do a top five? We do have this this ranked list, and people love that when you give them a ranking. Okay. Uh, from, from five to one of Craig's favorite movies from 1997. So, Craig, what is the number five movie on your list and why? Uh, well, uh, my original list, it was number 10, 
but as, mm-hmm. as time has gone on and just I just put it you know up there number five now it's uh, Austin Powers International Man of Mystery in his time he was the coolest swinger alive a lot's changed since 1967 bring on the sexiest dudes man we're called flight attendants now unfortunately this is not his time secret mike myers yeah baby yeah austin powers international man of mystery rated pg-13 and why do you love this film so much? People forget that, and, and you probably two will attest because this 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 movie kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody was nobody was really yes. looking forward to a Mike Myers movie. Wayne's World two uh, yeah. bombed a few years before. It seems like he was in hiding for a while, or did the, mm-hmm. and he just dropped this movie all, all of a sudden, like the like. In, in the first weekend of May or so, I forget what it is. Yeah, they yep. go. And it was, I remember seeing it and I thought it was hilarious as hell. I thought it was funny. Even if you didn't get the fact that it was more about, uh, you know, the James Bond knockoffs. Even people would say, like, oh, it's a double seven, but it's, more, it's also, you know, the Matt Helm movies, the, the mm-hmm. and like Flint movies. Flint movies, yes. You know, even like, even other 60s things like, uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, like literally, right. he's literally take took um, uh, dialogue from there, and just just Mike Myers' usual uh, cheeky love of of uh, British uh, humor, and yeah, it was very very entertaining to watch. And of course, when it came over to to, to video and cable, that's when. The, the onslaught happened when people were just, uh, you know, watching it uh, over and over and, 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 and picking up the, the catchphrases and everything. And just everybody had at least one guy at work that quoted the movie nonstop at least <laughs> 10 times a day. Yeah. Just, yeah. No, I'm glad you made that point about, about it. It was, it was sort of, we don't really talk there because there aren't a lot of examples of it anymore of it being kind of a sleeper hit, yeah. you know, that like, that just because of the way that the 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 film to vo you know the theatrical to vod infrastructure works now a movie can't stay in theaters long enough to build up that kind of word of mouth yeah. that it did it can't have that kind of extended afterlife um on video i feel like i remember the stat being and i i could be misquoting this so so forgive me if so but was that like the second Austin Powers movie made more in its opening weekend than the first one did in its entire theatrical run. Yeah. Just because it, it had built that audience in that whole time. And plus at the time they were trying to make it the thing. Cause that uh, 99, that was also the year of uh star Wars fan of menace coming out mm-hmm. and everybody was hyped, was going to see that. And so their whole idea was that was going to be uh, counter programming. Oh, right. Yeah, was, the thing to see when Star Wars was sold yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Like even they did it in the teaser trailer, just like you, you, there's one summer right. movie to see see Star Wars, but then like after that, you could go see Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a funny, funny fucking movie. Yeah. All right. Just, I think that's really the transition here between your number five and, a num- and your number four is a testament uh, not only to the broad scope of films available in 97, but also the broad scope of your taste. Yeah. So, Craig, what is your number four <laughs> film for the year of our Lord 1997? 
Lost Highway. October Films invites you to take a trip on David Lynch's Lost Highway. The New York Times says it's seriously spooky. We've met before, haven't we? Brilliant, unique, and unnerving. Bill Pullman. Dream last night. Patricia Arquette. Someone broke in and taped us. Balthazar Getty. David Lynch's Lost Highway. Now playing. Well, David Lynch's Lost Highway. An absolute mindfuck. What do you love about this movie? Well, it's it's one of those movies that uh, just you know had to grow on me, and uh, just because <laughs> yeah. like when I saw it, I'm sure I'm sure we all saw it first time. Like what 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 the fuck is all this about? <laughs> yes. And like what is what's happening here? And, it, yes. and it, it, like literally on a moment to moment basis, what is happening here? When you experience uh, much David Lynch's that you have, you begin to get the idea of what he's trying to do. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, just it seems he was trying to make like the first thing you have to establish with that movie is that none of it is really happening. Right. It's like none of it is just. Yeah. Uh, just I you like the movie starts off with David Bowie's I'm deranged. So it gives you it should tell you just what the the, the, the direction the film is going. Yeah. And uh so once you realize that, once you realize you're ba- you're just basically inside the psyche of a crazy man, yeah, mm-hmm. you can just watch it and just and just go oh, like, oh, you realize why this this guy suddenly turns into Balthazar Getty and um and just all that and and also you know just you know because a lot I know a lot of people have have made um, uh, you know just said that it's kind of like he David Lynch's OJ movie I don't know just like made, mm-hmm. basically made a movie of, like he was he's inspired by the OJ saga and just made a movie and I mean it could be that but it's also I mean feel I feel that he you know this was his I the this. Another one of his um, attempts to make a very uh, trippy film noir, and mm-hmm. um, and so and it is very has has one of my favorite soundtracks of that year, uh, yeah. like Trent Nine Trent Reznor, of course. That was one of his first in, instances of um, of uh, uh, scoring, and um, mm-hmm. it's so yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it's a wild film, and just like, uh, and of course, reminds you of the days where you could actually, of course, uh, see intercourse in films. And, and right, you, you just want to just and, oh, 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 oh. There's there's fucking. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that yeah. in movies. Yeah, just, I remember when that. Yeah, happened. just like David Lynch really, you know, got in there. It's almost like yeah. It's almost like he. It was kind of he was. Um, uh, you know, kind of doing like a practice run for Mulholland Drive, which is the more, yeah, uh, more well received film, more acclaimed film. It's kind of, it's kind of, you know, his '90s run isn't really re- well regarded, even though there are a lot of people, of course, will say uh, who've gone, who've gone, a, gotten an appreciation for Twin, uh, the Twin Peaks movie. You know, now a lot of people talk yeah. about uh, Lost Highway. It was it was sa- famously given two thumbs down by Siskel and Ebert, which they use 
yeah, on the poster. Yeah, on the on the poster in the in the market in the in the newspaper ads. So it's like it's almost a yep. swing. Uh, while a big recommendation, but of course, like as time goes on, and you just you you know. And another thing is that Lost Highway. Uh, I remember uh, seeing it on Entertainment Weekly did a list of like the top twenty five scariest movies of all time, and that's one of them. We never talk enough about the fact that David Lynch is one of the most, in my opinion, one most innovative horror filmmakers. Like nobody puts him in that category. That was like, oh, he does weird, trippy, surreal stuff. Right, well, right, right. Like, like Lost Highway is kind of is a scary movie. I mean, just yeah, a lot of Twin Peaks was scary at the time. It's just like he mm-hmm. he did, like as, as Kurt Loder famously called a Blue Velvet a laugh out loud horror show. So mm-hmm. and that's and that's kind of like you know the same way you say about Wild at Heart about. And about Lost Highway and just he just makes these these films that are just odd, but also uh, scary as hell. The other thing I think is worth mentioning, too, I'd forgotten that OJ angle, uh, but they, I do remember people saying that at the time and, and feeling there was some credence to that. Then, of course, now it's even trippier because there's an OJ angle. And then also there's the Robert Blake angle. Oh, because yeah. Robert, Robert Blake, Blake is, is in there. Just horrifying villain. Absolutely terrifying. And then he went on to not not murder his wife. Yeah. You, to, Found not found not guilty of murdering his wife. Okay, um, Craig, what is the number three movie on your list for 1997? Uh, number three is, I believe, I put L.A. Confidential. Welcome to Los Angeles, the city of the future. From the glitz and glamour. What do you do on the show, Jack? I teach Brett Chase how to walk and talk like a cop. To the greed and corruption. I run call girls that look like movie stars. Everyone here has a secret. You talk only to me. And secrets can kill. See the movie everybody's talking about. Four stars, says Roger Ebert. The best American movie of the year, says New York Magazine. L.A. Confidential. Rated R. Hell yes. Hell yes! I think one of the one of those dad movies, and if a movie you can watch, and the dads are right about it. I, on behalf of the dads, say that the dads are right about it. Yeah, this is one like the the first two that you're mentioning were ones that people have sort of come to appreciate value more. This one, like really at the time, everyone was like, this came out, and everybody was like, oh shit, this is a fucking masterpiece. But that, um, well, that was also a thing with me because. Like I, I kind of admired it, but I, I wasn't, you know, you know, it, you know, it was getting a lot of unanimous praise, and I just like anytime it gets unanimous praise, I feel like, yeah, Jesus. I mean, I always look for like some, some, some issues with it, but it's, right. it's one of those movies that will come on cable at some point in time, and uh, you know, you just watch it, and you just are kind. Of, you just you just transfixed by the story, the performances, and just uh, yeah, just everything that that goes on in it. The, 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 the from the art direction, the production design. Yeah, it's a beautiful movie. Even though it wasn't as big a hit as it did when when it came, eventually came out over here. It did, right. as you say, got a lot of raids. It made star. It made stars out of Russell Crowe, and it got Kim Basinger uh, an Oscar, and and Kevin Spacey's in it. <laughs> yeah, well said. And on the on that note, 
<laughs> what then, Craig, is the number two movie on your top ten for 1997? Yeah, this was number one for a long time because I'm mm-hmm. just a big fan of it. And it's it's Buggy Nights. I want you to know I plan on being a star. The New Line Cinema presents Jack Horner, filmmaker, exotic creature. The life of a dreamer. Are these are great. Are they lizard? No, they're Italian. The days of a business. Cut. Terrific. The award goes to Nick Ziegler. And the nights in between. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop this part. Official selection of the 1997 New York Film Festival, Boogie Nights, rated R. I mean, talk about a movie that fucking holds up. Yeah. Um, tell me about the first time you saw Boogie Nights. Do you remember? That, I remember the first time. Was that time a pun? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we want me to talk about because, like, I was I was anticipating uh, it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For uh, for most of the year, and uh, just. I got to see it, and like that was the first instance um, I got of a filmmaker, and I said, "This dude must have went to sleep, got up, and watched Goodfellas like mm-hmm. all through." Mm-hmm. Like, like it just like it, it, Goodfellas, anything Scorsese yeah. was, uh, yeah, it was just something. It was, it was like. It was that example of uh, really kinetic uh, electric filmmaking, mm-hmm. where just like you just the, the movie feels alive. Yeah, it just like yeah. You know, of course, they had that great opening shot where it's just like going all through that that uh, street, then it goes into the club and just basically introducing all the characters and whatnot. I saw it. I too had, I had heard about it for months. I was ready for it. I'd read the, all those reviews out of Toronto. Uh, I went to see it opening night. And then on Saturday morning, I called this dude right here. I called Mike and I was like, what are you doing tomorrow? And he's like, I don't know. And I said, well, tomorrow afternoon we're going to see boogie nights. And he said, uh, okay, whatever. Uh, and we go to see Boogie Nights, and I, I just remember at the end of the movie, <laughs> the fucking, he stands up, he takes, he takes it out, he salutes himself, the ELO comes up on the soundtrack, it cuts to black, and my friend Mike started pumping his fist in the air. <laughs> he was so excited by what he had just seen. Like, it just gets, it just gets into your bloodstream, that movie. It's so, it's so fast and funny and and it turns on a dime and it's tragic and it's sad and it's just great and everybody in it is good there's not like one bad performance from from one end of the thing to the other it, it is the movie that made people realize ah oh, shit we gotta take this mark Wahlberg kid seriously <laughs> it's just god damn it yeah you know, no, yeah. we, we we just got we just call him Marky Mark for the rest of his life, but mm-hmm. now he's he's Mark Wahlberg, mm-hmm. actor, producer, whatever. And it's, it's kind of funny even watching it now, where because like the whole the whole premise of it is that the movie is, is about porn. It's about how porn once upon a time you could see it on the big screen, yep, in, in the theater, and just hear a lot of things with in the audience. But and then it just went to eighties and home video, and it's got it's crazy how even then because it was, you know, I'm sure people said it could be a metaphor for how mm-hmm. filmmaking 
was turned out even then. Mm-hmm. But it seems more more eerily prescient now with you know, of course, with digital filmmaking, right? And you know, you get just people, you know, is more likely to stay at home and watch stuff than go to the movie theaters. Yeah, Boogie Nights is a film that that even though talking about another form of entertainment is is also also comments on. So. I got to see it a couple of weeks ago. So they showed it at the Hollywood Theater in here in Portland. And the guy who introduced it said that he got a call from Paul Thomas Anderson's assistant mm-hmm. who said he who said that PTA wants to have a 70 millimeter print struck, but the the film the the distributor won't make it because it's too expensive. So if they do it, will you screen it? He mm-hmm. calls the guy in at Hollywood. Will you screen it? And the guy's like, "Fucking obviously, dude." <laughs> so they. This was supposedly the first commercial screening of the new seventy print yeah. of Boogie Nights, yeah. and not only was it sold out, which is lovely to go to like a proper movie palace and see Boogie Nights in a sold out audience, but like a few dozen people showed up in period costume. Nice. And it's Portland. Some of them might just actually dress like that, but a lot of them were clearly like there for the event. I got to take a friend of mine. He's a young guy. He's 24. He's never seen a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, never seen a movie in a movie palace, never seen a 70 millimeter. And I got to take him to go see Boogie Nights for his first experience for all of those things. And like, you know, the first time you see, like to watch somebody see the donut shop scene for the first time is Mm. like, is a really joyful experience at this point after having loved the movie so much for so long. What's still one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, happy to report to our New York listeners that that 70 millimeter print is on its way to uh, to our friends uh, at Film at Lincoln Center, where it'll be running in mid-August, and I believe this will air by then. So go see Boogie Nights on 70 millimeter. This is I, like how many times am I going to get to have a movie experience in Portland before it goes to New York? I'm going to hang on to this forever, Jason Bailey, forever. All right, Craig, we've come to the cream of the crop, the top of the heap. Uh, the best movie of this extremely good year. What is your number one for 1997? Uh, number one is a movie that I've actually uh, written about for you over at Crooked, <laughs> Crooked Marquee, so you already know how I feel about the film, and that is uh, Jackie Brown. Which is- You're going to come in on this thing. you got to go all the way. Half a million dollars is up for grabs. Don't go doing something stupid. And a whole lot of scamming is about to go down. Let him get the money and then just take it from him. The setup, the shakedown, the mix-up, the showdown. Booyah! Pam Greer, Samuel L. Jackson, Robert Forster, Bridget Fonda, Michael Keaton, and Robert De Niro. Is she dead? Pretty much. Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown, rated R, now playing. Now, I, I, when you sent me that list of your original 97 top 10, I like my heart sank a little bit because when I think of 97, this is one of the movies I thought of and Jackie Brown was not on that list. Why was that Craig Lindsay? I didn't see it before the, <laughs> before the year was over. I didn't, I didn't get to see it. Yes. Here's, here's a funny story. I, uh, there was a screening at one of the Google, the- Google theaters Dugaplexes for Jackie Brown, um, but I was I went was a, at a, a theater across the way uh, watching Hard Rain. Oh God! Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So. Oh no! So it was just like one of those things. Like, uh, 
Jersey Jackie Brown. Because I, I kept actually like going across uh, to like sneak in to see some stuff from Jackie Brown <laughs> and then dip back over to Hard Rain. And um, dear listener, if you if you don't remember the film Hard Rain and God, why would you? Uh, it was a pretty shitty Christian Slater, Morgan Freeman movie that came out in January of 98 when, uh, in the January slot, when shitty movies typically come out. Yeah. So, so poor Craig on assignment, I'm assuming not by choice. I'm sure yeah. had to see hard rain instead of Jackie Brown. So, and, yeah. uh, didn't get to check it out before that print deadline, because we used to have to abide by print deadlines. Yeah. People. Back in the good days. Um, that's right. Okay, but in your subsequent viewings, what have you come to love about Jackie Brown e- even more than any of these other extraordinary films? I just, I just love that uh, you know Quentin Tarantino just basically said, "Hey, uh, for my next, uh, for the follow up uh, to my movie that basically made me a star and yes. changed the world of filmmaking and made." literally brought movie stars back from the dead and maybe made movie stars. I'm going to make it uh, about, uh, you know, the, the woman from coffee. And it's going to be about a bunch of old middle-aged people, basically uh, yep. based on Elmore Leonard novel full of losers and, and stuff like that. Just basically middle-aged people trying to, you know, get through uh, shit on both sides of the law. And, and uh, just, and it, surprisingly, it did, and shockingly, it did not go well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People weren't interested in in, in that in a film. Uh, you know, kind of like I mean, the, the 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 fact that the movie didn't wasn't as big a hit as, of course, Paul Fiction didn't have in right and he would go on to do more movie movies. Uh, yeah. Like, obviously, movie films like the Kill Bill movies and Glorious Bastards and Django, where it's, it's all about the spectacle and um, all about just 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 the, the, the heightened, uh, yes. you know, sensationalism of it all. And here's a movie... About, you know, just be, you know about these these old people in L.A. and just yeah. trying to you know get get by and, and, and as I have can you know gr- continue to grow a little, find mm-hmm. myself associating more with mm-hmm. with those people more than I have in any Tarantino film. Yeah, no, I agree. And I and and yes, when it came out, people were expecting Pulp Fiction 2 and they didn't get that. And there was disappointment around that and so forth. But I think this is a really the film that from this year, maybe more than any that has stood the test of time and that now you will find it, it's almost become a cliche to say that Jackie Brown is your favorite Tarantino movie. It's certainly mine. It wasn't at the time. But as you get older and as you understand these people better. Uh, and as you sort of appreciate the, the achievement and the, the blank, how he chose to cash that particular blank check, I think it's, it's really, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's held up. It's, it's held it, up beautifully. And it's crazy because he was in his thirties. He was still 
on his yeah. on his young man shit. Yep. And he went ahead and made this movie that's basically about how much it blows getting old, basically. Yeah. And like like yeah. nobody wanted to hear that from him at that point. <laughs> Can we please have yes, more pop culture references and shit? <laughs> You know, people in correct. Yeah, and just yeah. So like, it's kind of unfortunate because I wonder where we would be if Jackie Brown was a hit. Would he have gone on to to do right. more Elmore Leonard ad- adaptations as he once, you know, said he was going to do? Or yeah, just. Or would Pam Greer be a, a bigger star? All right. Thank you, Craig, for that excellent top five. And now let's find out what films were winning trophies and making money. Here's awards and box office. Sell out with me. Oh, yeah. Sell out with me tonight. The record company's only kidding. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, okay. Here we go. Uh. Uh-huh. Can we just skip the first one? No, Mike, no, I like this movie. Let's skip the second one, too. God damn it. I like <laughs> these movies. Best picture, best director to James Cameron, best yep. score, and best original song to my heart will go on <laughs> for uh, Titanic. It's like a movie about a boat or whatever. Yes, Mike, Titanic. Yeah, yes, Titanic. Yes. I, I, I know how you feel about this film. I like the movie very much, but I did include that it won the best original song just so you would have that to gloat over. Um, Craig, uh, thoughts on Titanic? I dug it. I dug it when it was out. I, yes. I put it on the, the, you know, the original list that yes. you saw. My boss at my job that I had when it came out said it was the best movie that was ever made. And he was just, we didn't have this word then, but he was just such an incel douchebag. I was like, it was a matter <laughs> of, of like defending my 20 year old personality that I not like that movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, what what uh, else? <laughs> best actor to Jack Nicholson and best actress to Helen Hunt for as good as it gets. As good as it gets as I, it's fine. Best. Uh, how many movies are there where where the male lead gets the best actor and the female lead gets the best actors? Like we need to, Not we lot. have to have a, a new hat trick thing for that or something. <laughs> I don't know. Has that yeah. happened before or yeah, since? Occasionally, occasionally. I don't know. You, but yeah, but yeah, but J- Jodie Foster and. Uh... Yeah. Yes. Jerry Foster, yes, uh-huh. and Hopkins for science. There are no, there are times when like it's been like best actor, actress, uh, you know, uh, director and film, like Silence or like it, it Happened One Night or Cuckoo's Nest. But it is rare that it's best actor, best actress, and then like nothing else of significance. <laughs> anyway, as good as it gets as I. Best supporting actor to Robin Williams and best original screenplay to. Matt Damon and a mm-hmm. guy named Ben for Goodwill Hunting. I love that. I am a big Goodwill. Talk I, about got laid in '97. Yeah, I really, I loved Goodwill Hunting at the time. I revisited every few years. I, it's, it's not cool to like it anymore, but I still do. Sorry, it's a good movie, dude. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. I saw it maybe six months ago. It's mm-hmm. a good movie. Yep, yep. Best Supporting Actress to Kim Basinger and Best Adapted Screenplay to Brian Helgeland and Curtis Hansen for L.A. Confidential. Good, good awards. Good awards to give that movie. Yes, no complaints. Uh, Best foreign language film went to Character, which I never did see. Craig, did you see Character? No. Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor went to Burt Reynolds for Boogie Nights. And let me just say that I watched a movie earlier today that he is also in Mm -hmm. the Mr. Bean movie, (laughs) and (laughs) from the same year. And 
I'm not from the same year. And Burt Reynolds was a good actor. Yes, he but was. But casting was very important. <laughs> yes, it was. And 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 he won the award for the for the movie he deserved it for <laughs> in 1997. Boogie um, Nights. There we go. Good for him. Golden Globe for Best Foreign Film went to My Life in Pink. I also haven't seen My Life. Alternate title for Boogie Nights. There we go. Uh, BAFTA for Best Picture and Best Actor went to Robert Carlyle, Best Supporting Actor to Tom Wilkinson for The Full Monty. That was fun. That was a good picture. I haven't seen it since 97, but I laughed when it came out. Me neither. Craig, did you like The Full Monty? It It was another cute one. There you go, and that's, and that's the crazy thing about that was the thing, that's the thing about that year that I also appreciate. It just it seemed like it was this it was back in those good old days where um, anything could be a hit. Yeah, just yeah. like it, it, the full Monty made an insane amount of money. It was the tenth highest grossing movie that yeah. year. It just like it's not yeah. like now where it's just like all the. It's the studio is merely it's mostly the studio ten poles. It's 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 right. some sort of uh, a video game movie. It's like anything. If you if you go through yeah. and the, the list of the top ten, like sure you have the big yeah. blockbusters, but you also you know had liar liar. You had my best friend's wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're, you're you're cutting us off. We'll get to those in okay, a second. BAFTA for best actress went to Judy Dench for Mrs. Brown. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like that movie because simply because she would look uh, at Billy Connolly like, yeah, I'm gonna hit that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, like she she was sprung from uh, Billy Connolly's ass in that movie. BAFTA for Best Supporting Actress goes to Sigourney Weaver for The Ice Storm. Fantastic. Boy, I liked The Ice Storm. Which is not a movie about Bill Pullman driving. In the cold. No, it's Doesn't not. It, it seems like terrific, that should be a disaster terrific movie. Terrific Ang Lee adaptation of the Rick Moody novel. I love the ice storm. It is it is depressing as fuck, and I love it. Taste of Cherry and the Eel tied for the Palme d'Or at Cannes. All right, good for them. Another alternate title for Boogie Night. <laughs> also won the New York Film Critics Circle and Los Angeles Film Critics Circle for Best Picture, L.A. Confidential. Yeah, see, that's that's back to that thing we were saying about how uh, the 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 critics were gunning for that one. All right, what uh, what happened in the top ten? This is domestic top ten, by the way. Domestic top ten, face off, fuck you, that movie's awful. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you're, you're just starting with that. You're just starting. Fighting words. Wow. I really thought there was a chance <laughs> he was going to yeah. turn around and say some blaspheme face off. Just, oh, just. Wow. He was going to pull wow. a Jim Norton and just say that movie's terrible. Wow. How dare you? How dare you? Keep moving. Do I need to revisit Face Off? Yes, you do. It rules. Apparently. You told uh-huh. me that about Heat, too, and then I watched it again, and guess what? It's terrible. How dare anyway, you? How fucking number dare nine, you? Wow. Tomorrow Never Dies. Yes. Okay, now I, I'm literally, I'm looking up which one this was. Okay, that one was actually pretty good. That was, I was making That's sure. It's Bond, right? It is Bond, but it's it's not the one with um, Denise Richards, Denise Richards yeah. which is terrible. This is the Michelle Yao one, yeah. so uh, hooray for that. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Number eight was My Best Friend's Wedding. Good movie. Cute. Very popular. Yes. Yes, Julia's comeback. Time. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. Number seven was Goodwill Hunting. Yep. Previously lauded. Number yep. six, As Good As It Gets. Previously med. Yep. Uh, did very well. Number five, Air Force One. 
get off my plane. <laughs> That's all I got. Number four, liar, liar. Now, funny I, then, funny now. It's a funny movie, and and uh, and one of the few movies that I think gets away with the outtakes at the end. Also, yeah. like mm-hmm. there's they're 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 very funny, charming outtakes at the end of the movie. It, it doesn't feel it, desperate the way it usually does. You know, when I saw that in the movie, because like because that came out after uh, the Cable Guy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that was his sort of comeback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody was like, "Oh, Jim Carrey's back!" And everybody was on his dick. And so, uh, but um, <laughs> when I was watching, I just like, okay, he's just falling and doing crazy shit. And it was not one of those movies I saw years later. Like the AB, uh, ABC was playing it one night, and I just saw him with the physicality and just the way, just like just the way that he was going about it. And I'm just like. Like, this is actually a really funny movie, and Jim Carrey is actually insanely great, good in that movie. Just like just mm-hmm. just a way, like you know, just the the dude's always found ways to use his body yes. as just whatever he wants it to be. And so what he what what he does in the uh, in that movie is just like it's 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 actually fascinating to watch. It's funny, but it's also very fascinating to see yeah. what he does in there. Number three, The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Okay, bad movie, um, but one great sequence. The se- there's there's a se- the sequence where the trailer is hanging off the cliff, and there's the glass <laughs> in it that's breaking. Like I feel like Spielberg made the whole movie just so he could make that one sequence because that shit is tight. The rest of the movie is not good, not good. And I love the first Jurassic Park. Number two, uh, this is a this is a this is a household favorite. My mm. wife loves this movie, so I've actually seen it a lot more in the mm-hmm. last ten years than in the first ten years it was out. Men in Black, great movie. I love Men in Black. I think Men in Black is a great example of how you can do a big, expensive, potentially franchise tentpole movie that still has a sense of humor about itself, that still has a wit and ingenuity. Uh, I think Barry Sonnenfeld's direction is like really fast and fun and the actors are having a great time and Tommy Lee Jones is funny as hell in it. I don't know. Craig, do you like uh, Men in Black? Uh, well, yeah, th- that was supposedly that the, the big summer movie that year. Everybody said, I love, mm-hmm. I, and by the way, I, I, I forgot to mention this. I used to read uh, Peter Travers a lot back then. Yes, and uh, he was a, he was a big same. I made the same mistake. Yeah, he was a big yes. influence of mine. Just love the way he, he he laid everything out in the movie section of yeah. stuff. And he said that was going to be big hit mainly because it's ninety minutes long. And yes, you could, and you could just like movie theaters can just just play that on a couple of yes. screens and get a lot of money. It just it's yeah. It was it, back in the good old days where you can make expensive 90 minute movie and yes get, get 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 your money back no matter what yes so it's like, i miss them yeah let's bring them back bring back the tight 90 in blockbuster filmmaking yeah. god damn it i don't need any more three hour marvel movies all right and mike uh i have no idea what was the number one uh most successful movie at the box office then? I, I it was can't. a tax write-off because their boat sank so they had to figure out a way to get some of that money back uh-huh, right uh-huh. remember we've talked about this the longest yes. marketing scheme in movie history they sank that fucking boat like 80 years before the right, movie came out right paid off titanic big time. titanic that's number, right number one movie of the year 
everybody saw it and it remained it was this I remember very clearly it was number one movie uh, of the week clear into April like yeah. you mentioned Craig like all into spring it was the number one movie until April 98 when it was finally toppled by the, do you remember the, the Iron Man no but what uh, I knew it was something else but I but it's, you would have thought yeah because Leo was in that too but what the hell was is, is something lost in space it was lost in space. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, Greg. <laughs> this guy's a fucking professional right here. Outstanding trivia to a professional. I knew, yeah. I, knew it was yeah, some, I knew it was some weak sauce. I knew it was some bullshit. Yeah. I knew it was some fucking <laughs> bullshit. That movie sucks. All right, Craig, you ready to do a lightning round? Mike's going to put five minutes on the clock. Uh, I'm going to rat-tat-tat you some titles. If you have something you'd like to say about it, please do. If you would like to pass, then please just pass. Uh, and here we go. Kundun by Martin Scorsese. Pretty fucking good. Yeah, I, I, it's, it was number two on my list. I just was, uh, I, I liked it. I haven't visited, even though I have a, a Blu-ray of it, I haven't been to watch to get to see it still holds up. But, you know, it's, it's Scorsese and I, and, and, it's definitely a movie I appreciated. I, I I got a I got a parking ticket before I saw it, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, just yeah, I still liked it. So, all right, let me be the one guy who quotes The Sopranos line and says, "Marty Kundun, I liked it." Yeah. Uh, Neil Labute's in the Company of Men. Yeah, another uh, one that was originally on my list. Um, it's it's a, it's, a, it's perhaps the a, a a movie that people could see. Just to see how uh, douchey white pe- white guys work. This is back. This was bef- way before, like we all knew that there are you know, this yes. douchey white guys out there. But it's it's a, it's it's a well done movie. Aaron Hark, a great performance from Aaron Eckhart. But that is such a fucking evil movie. I can't yes, can't. Un- it's like it's like when when Mike D'Angelo said like he, he, how much he said seven was the best movie of the year. It's like the best movie of the year. I have no idea who. I can recommend it to, but it's, it's yes, it's just like it just makes you feel bad after you watch it and just like oh, yes. okay, okay, yeah, but hey, it's you know it's it's Neil Boots, so that's what he does. Shall we dance? Great movie. Are you just looking at my list right now? But who me? Yeah, but uh, just yeah, because that was also on on the list. It's a very uh, yeah, I I enjoyed. It. It's a very uh, audience friendly uh, film. A foreign film, uh, and uh, it, yeah, I, I remember, uh, you know, Peter Rayner said saying that, you know, that the this is the kind of Miramax movie that the kind of foreign film that will be later uh, remade by Miramax, and sure enough, sure did they they remade it uh, with with Richard Gere and J Lo, <laughs> yes, and so. Uh, Ponette was released in 1997. Yes, uh, Ponette. That movie, you can, I don't know, because you can't find that on streaming. That was a movie I was trying to look at before mm-hmm. I saw it, but it's just like it's not on any streaming uh, format. It's, it, yeah, it, what I saw uh, when I saw it then, it was a very uh, moving, uh, touching por- portrait of grief. Another Miramax title, uh, Chasing Amy, was released in 1997. The movie that made guys say, "Hey, we can turn them around." Um, 
I mean, it was it was entertaining. I mean, after it was supposed after Mallrats, he went back to Miramax and uh, just decided to just make a film about that time. He really had a crush on uh, the writer of Go Fish, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Ben Affleck was 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 good in it. Uh, Joey Lauren Adams was good in it. it just uh, yeah, trying it. it, it 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 is uh you know it's, it's one of those films that uh that beer Mac came at dropped and I mean that that did get an audience as well so yeah yeah I can't remember if this is a Miramax title as well but Rhyme and Reason was released in ninety yeah it was a uh, Miramax uh, it's a documentary about hip hop like they just, they just mm-hmm. dropped a documentary all of a sudden <laughs> it's like one of those films that geared towards an urban audience and just. Yeah, I don't even know if 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 black audiences has, have have even seen that film or just it just is it's out there. It's, I mean, it's no fat beach, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Sarajevo. Yeah, that's another film I haven't seen since '97. Uh, but when I saw it, I thought it was it, it gave me an instance of what kind of director. Uh, Michael Winterbottom is because the movie I saw before that he did was what was it Jude uh, mm-hmm. that had Kate Winslet in it and uh, yeah it was kind of like a very uh, uh, medium cool type of film where just like they put him in the action and mm-hmm. just uh, yeah I it, just and Michael Winterbottom does that as a filmmaker just yep you know mixing the real with the not real so. Yeah. All right. And to close out the lightning round, a film that I can't believe we've made it this long without mentioning, Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. It's one of those, um, you know, you turn the sound off movies. (laughs) It's just like you watch it with the sound off and you just like, yeah. It's like it's like that, like most of M. M. Night Shyamalan's films. (laughs) <laughs> like if, if 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 you see like the village playing uh-huh. at a bar with the sound off, you're just like, oh, I can get to see why yeah. uh, what's so alluring about it. But like I remember, I watched the Batman Robin with the sound off, and you're just like, oh man, just that shit. he yeah he really tried to torpedo that shit. He really <laughs> it's just like we gotta make this the most ugly looking thing in the world like that shit was just goofy as hell and just and yeah just had like it was it was just it was just it's just it's wild to look at that's all i said just wild to look at all right and that closes down our lightning round thank you craig for for participating in that uh now we're going to throw it to our friend w axel foley for a quick psa Head on over to your favorite podcasting app. Give us a star, a rate, a review. Give us a written review and tell us that you love us because that's what lets people know that we're here. All right, Craig, where can people follow you on social media? Um, At Uncle Crizzle. I'm not on Twitter anymore, thank God. Um, <laughs> he, he broke away. Yeah, Insta- uh, I, I still do Instagram. My Insta stories are hella funny. Oh, and uh, I got a link tree, uh, which has all the stuff I've written for you and written for other people. And I got 
my LinkedIn is on it. Uh, there we got go. several cash apps on it. You know, if you, you can give to those because I really feel the Great Depression is coming. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so that's and you and you know, I'll, you can I'm out there somewhere. All right. I am Fun City Cinema on Instagram, Jason-Bailey on Twitter and Letterboxd, where you can find, under my list, the top fives for every episode of the show. Mike, where can the people follow you? I am at BrainwashedLib on Twitter. And we are also on Substack, a very good year.substack.com, where paid subscribers get bonus episodes, bonus writing, and much more, including Mrs. Scorsese's uh, sauce recipe, Sunday Gravy. Mike, before we go, what is your favorite movie of 1997? Uh, I don't mean to be indulgent, but there's actually two movies that came out this year that completely fucking you changed my life. Um, I'll, right. I'll keep I'll keep them tight. I'll tighten them up. Um, uh-huh. One of them is Fast, Cheap, and Out of Control by Errol Morris, mm-hmm. um, which is a movie about being human. Even though it's none of it is about being human, it's about humans and what we do. Even though. It's not actually about that at all. It's just about like this dude shaping. I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's such a mind-bending mm-hmm. sort of movie that it's really sort of impossible to just understand from watching it. You actually do have to like read it and investigate it. Um, introduced to me by our uh, by friend of the show W. Axel Foley, um, and understanding that movie was sort of the first time that that like I really did a deep dive on a particular movie in the way I had done about books before and things like that, and really trying to understand what they were getting at and grasp it on a deeper level and that movie it's changed my fucking life and i still don't think that anybody's described the fact of human beings better um for myself but my favorite movie from 97 has got to be sick the life and times of bob flanagan super masochist by kirby dick um it is about a guy named bob flanagan who is was at the time they made the movie the longest surviving uh longest surviving sufferer of cystic fibrosis and cystic fibrosis causes a great deal of internal pain and and pain in your digestive tract and stuff and as a reaction to that he became a masochist he became a super masochist because it was pain that he could control and the movie is really sort of an exploration of his marriage to his dom and his art that he made and his explorations of his self and it really com- it, it really impacted the way I understand who I am as an artist and as a creative person. Um, he also drives a roofing nail through the head of his dick yeah. on yeah. camera in the movie. And God. so it, like yeah. if it's if it's if it's going to make you vomit just hearing me say that on a podcast, you might want to close your eyes for that part of the movie. But I sure did. It really you know, it's it's it is about what it means to be a feeling um, breathing, living artist. Yeah. Uh, and it changed my life and it changed the way like that I also make movies. When I was thinking, yeah, I will make this thing like what was the best documentary of that year? I was stuck between Sick and Four Little Girls, the Spike Lee <laughs> Fuck docu- yeah. documentary. Yeah. And uh, so like, yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on what you're, you know, they're, bo- they're both very um, harrowing tales. And, yeah. But if like you know, if you kind of like the what, what pain you want to see, you know, like yeah. you want to see the sad tale of, of uh, little girls being killed in a church bombing, or do you want to see a guy nail his dick 
<laughs> to the wall and then pull out pull out the nail. Okay. And then okay. the blood and whatever's okay. still on the camera. Like all right. That. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Just saying. Dieter so, needs to fly or whatever. What what is the the Herzog? Little, yeah, little, little Dieter needs to fly. Which, that is a good year for documentaries, dude. It really Lots, was so it much really good was. shit in '97. And yet, Jason's favorite movie is definitely Waiting for Guffman. Lie and tell these people that's not the truth. My favorite is Boogie Nights or Jackie Brown, depending on what day of the week it is. But we don't pick one of the guest top five at the end. So, yes, I selected Waiting for Guffman. Yes, I have. You You did? Ah, yes! You know why? You can just drive right up and get a Coke. There's always a job. There's always a job for me at the Dairy Queen. Yeah. At the DQ. That, that, you just drive right up and get a Coke. That that scene where Parker Posey is 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 at the grill with just one chicken wing. <laughs> Single chicken wing. Just waving it and just like, gee, what this it's like one of the like the, the like in a, in a movie with so much weird, silly stuff, that's still the weirdest thing. Yes. I've ever seen. Just, but, uh, Dude, long before the, anybody else caught up to that group and those any of those movies, like you were talking about that movie in 1997, like you you mm-hmm. had called that you you called that shit a classic the first time you watched it. I didn't expect what? for you to really pick it at like the end of the show, but I'm I not mean, surprised, dude. And. There, there are many contenders, which we'll talk about at the, uh, in the bonus episode. But, uh, but yeah, I, I fucking waiting for Guffman is probably the one I've seen the most, and definitely the one I've quoted the most. I'm more Thank a, you again, Craig, I'm more for a, coming on the show with thank us. Thank you. I'm more of a Mighty Wind fan myself, but uh, fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Thank you. Deeper cut, but yeah. But that'll work. Thank you for uh, for inviting me on the show. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Jason. And thank you for listening. It was a very good year